If you would take your Bibles today to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. God in the Old Testament sent Moses back to Egypt when Israel, uh, when his people were in bondage. Moses goes back and as he is conversing with God, he says, who do I say sent me? And God tells him to say, I am sent you. Basically, what God was telling Moses was to go and tell them that Jehovah sent you. Tell them it was God that sent you. And in the Gospel of John, we find seven statements made by Jesus where he says, I am. He was letting the first century Jews, those that were familiar with this story in the Old Testament of Moses and the Exodus, he was letting them know that he is God, that he is the Messiah that was sent from God to save the people from their sins. And this morning, we come to the first I am statement when Jesus says here in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Father, we thank you for, Lord, your word and, Lord, for the teaching and the instruction. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit that uses your word in our hearts and lives. And I pray today that as we come to John chapter 6 and these verses that we have set before us, that you would help us, Lord, to understand the truths there. And we would make the decisions that you lead us to and draw us to. And, Father, I pray that whatever our spiritual need is, you might work in our hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we come to John chapter 6, I really have two points, um, but our second point will be the main thrust of our message today. But first of all, I want you to see, beginning in verse 22, uh, the multitude, the multitude. In John chapter 6, verse 22, the Bible says, the day following when the people which stood on the other side of the sea, saw that there was none other boat there, save that one whereinto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone. Howbeit there came another boat from Tiberias, nigh unto the place where they did eat bread, after that the Lord, excuse me, had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, Neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou thither? The Bible tells us the day after the, this time when Jesus had fed the people and then they get on the boat and, and his disciples go across the sea, Jesus walks on the water and the storm that we looked at last week. It refers to, in verse 20 here, to the people or the multitude. Now Jesus had done this great miracle and, and now the Bible tells us that the people were seeking out Jesus. They came to the place where they thought he would be. They did not find him there. They find a boat, um, but they did not find Jesus or his disciples. And so they go and they begin to search out Jesus. They begin to look for him, and they make their way to Capernaum. Maybe they came to Capernaum because this was the headquarters of, of Jesus' ministry and where he would spend a lot of or most of his time during his earthly uh, life. But they begin to seek out Jesus. And the Bible tells us here they were seeking him. And in verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. You know, it's amazing to me that people say the Bible is not relevant for today. But as we examine scripture, we see that the people of those days are just like people today. The problems that they had and the difficulties and the situations of life are just like the situations and the problems and the difficulties that we face today. But so the solutions to their problems are the same solutions that we have today. Notice the people there. They were, they were always seeking for Jesus. They were looking for Jesus, and every time they find Jesus, we find that he has to tell them, you have come to me and you're seeking me for all of the wrong reasons. They were seeking him because they wanted their physical needs taken care of. They, they, they weren't seeking him for who he was, but they were seeking him for what he could do. And people in our world do the same thing. That's why there's so many false teachers in our world today, those, those so-called healers that are out there in our world today. People flock to them. And it's amazing when you watch these uh, really shows um, on television. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad. And it would be funny if it wasn't so sad about how people flock to these faith healers and for them to touch them. When I was a youth pastor in Alabama, every week we would go on a Wednesday to a nursing home ministry and, and each uh, a young person as well as our staff in our youth ministry had different people they would sit with and, and I would go see a guy named Paul and, and I would sit by and talk with Paul and he was an unbeliever and, and at first when I came he did not want me there and then after a while we began to talk and build a relationship and uh, he did not want to do, talk about the Lord or anything like that. Um, but one time I showed up and, and Paul said to me, he goes, hey, listen, I, I need you to, to help me get up and, and, and sit in my chair by the television. I was like, well, you can see it just fine here. First of all, I'm not a nurse and, or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not helping you out of your bed. We'll have to get a nurse to help you. But he's like, they won't, put, they won't sit me up, but I need to sit by the television. I was like, why do you need to sit by the television? And he said, well, the, the, the guy that I watch on, on the, in the evenings, late at night when I can't sleep, he said, if I would just touch the television, that I would be healed. I mean, and, and people, they, they thrive on that and they flock it because they're offering something they're offering some kind of help, something physically. You know, if you feed people, if you give them free stuff, they'll flock to you. You can even, you can even get their vote. And no doubt, there's probably going to be things given away in October and November free in our country as we know that the elections are approaching. And, and it's both sides of the political aisle. If they can give you and they can help you in some way or even make promises that they're not going to fulfill, people flock to them and, and we put our hope and our trust in them. And, you know, it's amazing the things that people are willing to follow. And this is, this is what we're seeing in the lives of these people. Jesus can give them, well, I mean, hey, he can feed us. Let's, let's follow him. I mean, I mean, we won't have to work our day in our life. We'll always be provided for if we're always there where Jesus is. Listen, if we get sick, we'll, we'll touch his garment and, you know, COVID will go away and, and our colds will be healed and whatever if we, just, if we just touch him. These people are flocking to Jesus and they come to, to Capernaum. And I want you to notice there, they ask him this question. How did you get here? In verse 25, and when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou? When, when did you come here, and, and how did you get here? But in verse 26, you'll notice Jesus ignores that question. 
He does not answer that, that question, but we're going to see a conversation that begins to happen between Jesus and this, this multitude. Now, have you ever been maybe at an airport or a restaurant, and, and there's people that are sitting near you, and they're talking so loud you can't help but eavesdrop? I mean, there's just like, you, you're right there in the conversation because they're so loud, or you're just so nosy, you want to know what's being said, and so you are eavesdropping, and you're listening to them. But you know, that's happened to me, not the nosy part, the overhearing part, but you know, I've been there, and, and you, you hear this conversation, and you realize that they're not talking about the same thing. And really, this is the picture that we see in this conversation. That's our second point, the conversation between Jesus and this multitude, I mean, they're having this conversation, and we have the opportunity to listen in, but you'll see that Jesus is saying one thing, and they're saying something different. Jesus is saying one thing, and, and like, like many of us do, we're listening, but we're not hearing what they're saying. And, and, and don't look at the person next to you, okay? Because you know we're listening, but we're ready with our comeback. We're ready with what we want to say or, or how we want the conversation to go. And this is what we see between Jesus and these multitudes. So let's look at the conversation. Point one of the conversation in verses 26 through 28. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, now here's the reality. This is what Jesus says. Ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. And then verse 28, their response. They said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Here's what Jesus says to them. Labor not. Labor not. You see, Jesus knew their hearts. They, they wanted him because they were filled, and he knew that their motives was to get something um, from him. And, and the reality is, is, is just like then, Jesus knew their hearts. Can I tell you today, Jesus knows your heart this morning. He knows your motives in life. He knows why you do the good things you do. He knows why you came to church this morning. He, he, knows, he knows your heart and, and what you're looking for from him. And so what Jesus is telling them is don't make the priorities of life the material things. For those that have things, you know, you, you wonder, what, what's your motive? You know, it's easy to see what, your, what people's motives are, whether it's material things or spiritual things. Here's what you do. For people that don't have anything, give them something. You know, this uh, week they had the, uh, the, the Mega Millions lottery there's over a billion dollars, and, and, and I know that because Fox News, every time I turned it on, was on their app or whatever, was talking about it or, or whatever, and, and they had an article this week, and they said uh, 10 people that won the lottery, over $100 million, each of them, that wished they'd never won it, wished they would have thrown the ticket away, wished they never would have played the lottery, because of the loss and the hatred and the divorce and, and the drug addiction and all that came along with that. Because the reality is, is if you want to see people's true character that don't have anything, give them something. 
You know, we think that, man, if I just had more money, if I just had more talent, if I just had more things in this world, if I had a better life, then I would serve God. You know, young people say that often. You know, I don't have time to serve God today because I'm in high school. When I get to college, I'll serve God. Or when you're in college, I don't have time because I'm really busy. When I get out of college and get married and have a family, then I'll serve God. Listen, if you're making that excuse today, you'll make that excuse later on in life as well. And so Jesus is telling them here, Listen, I know why you're coming to me. It's all about the material things. Quit laboring for, for the, the, the things of this world. The rich young ruler came to, came to him and said, what must I do to be saved? And he's keep the commandments. I, I've done all that. Okay, go and sell everything and give it away to the poor. And what happened? He's, I, I can't do that because I'm wealthy, because I'm rich, because he was consumed by the material things of this world. But Jesus is telling them to seek those things which bring eternal life. And he tells them that they get eternal life through, and here's the, one of the main points of this passage. You get eternal life through the Son. And he tells them that this is, this is God's plan. God the Father, he says here in, in verse 27, God the Father sent the Son to give life, and God the Father put a stamp. He sealed him. Now let's see then, okay, so this is what Jesus tells them, the multitudes what, what is their response? Okay, tell us what we need to do. He says, okay, what, what, works, what works then? Now, he's just laid out the plan of God, but their minds go to work. You know, natural man struggles, always struggles, because they want to do something. When you ask people, how, how do you get to heaven? How, how do you get to heaven one day? Well, it's, I'm going to be a good person. You know, one day, and I'm going to be so good that my good works outweigh my bad works. Well, how good do you got to be? Well, I don't know. I'm just going to do the, the best that I can. And this is the sad statement people make all the time, and hope it works out. I can tell you today how good you have to be to get to heaven. Perfection. You have to be perfect. And the sad truth is there's not a perfect person in this room. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can never work your way to heaven, but yet their mind goes right, their mind goes right there. Their, their mind goes right there, and Jesus is trying to tell them, listen, I am the way, and he's gonna say that later in this book. He's trying to say, listen, God sent me as his son, God in the flesh, to, if you believe on me, if you believe that I'm the Messiah that the Old Testament talks about, you can have eternal life. And they say, okay, what, what, tell us, what, what is the work of God? What is the work of God? So this brings us to our second point in this conversation, verses 29 through 31. So Jesus is speaking again, and Jesus answered that, said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that ye, we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And so the second point Jesus makes to them, he says, listen, in order to get to heaven, the work that God has put forth is that you believe on me. Here's what God says. Here's the work that God has sent. Believe on me. God has sent me. You see, the Bible tells us in Ephesians, for by grace are you saved through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of works lest any man should boast, but yet their mind goes straight to works. They have this hard time believing 
because we want to do something. And, and we see the same thing is true in our world today. You tell somebody, hey, you, uh, if you die today, do you know that you'll go to heaven? Well, I don't know. I hope so. I'm doing the best that I can. Hey, can I tell you? Can I tell you? And then you tell them the gospel and how they must believe on Jesus. And it, it can't be that easy. It just cannot be that easy. There's no way that, that that's the way. I have to, to be a good person. And I have to do this and do that and go to church and give and all these type of things because we want to put it on works. And, and so Jesus says, listen, do you want to know what to do to have eternal life? Believe on the one that God sent. Who did God send? God sent me. God sent the Son. And then the third point in the conversation, verse 32, Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. So Jesus comes back to them and says, you want bread? Let me help you understand. It wasn't Moses that gave your fathers this bread. It came from heaven. This was sent from, from God. Look with me at verse 35. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. This is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son, seeth Jesus, and believeth on him, may have everlasting life. Now will raise him up the last day. And we're not going to get to verse 41, but we'll look at that next week. But the Bible tells us there, the Jews then murmured. The Jews then murmured at him. Jesus, in these verses, began to share with them the wonderful mystery of the gospel and salvation. And there's several truths that I want to point out to you this morning about what Jesus is saying. First of all, in verse 35, Jesus tells them, true satisfaction only comes through Jesus Christ. True satisfaction only comes through Jesus Christ. All that this world offers will never bring satisfaction. Everything this world offers is gone. It's here today and gone tomorrow. It's only temporal and it's never going to last. And all throughout scripture, the Bible tells us that it gives us that, that picture of how things rust and decay and are destroyed and how this life is but a vapor and it's here now and gone tomorrow. But everything this world offers will only leave you longing for more. Jesus can satisfy the thirst. Jesus can satisfy the hunger that your soul is longing for. We also see that all that hear the gospel will not be saved. Jesus tells them there in verse 36, But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, notice that, and believe not. They saw Jesus as an important person. They saw him maybe as a prophet, definitely as somebody that could take care of them, but they did not see him as the Savior of the world. They want what he provides, but they don't want him. And this is where the people struggled. 
Jesus is telling them who he is. Jesus is telling them that he is God in the flesh, that he came to bring eternal life. And they could not see the truth in that. They could not see the reality in that. And so many of them, they, they did not believe him. They would not believe him. And then number three, all who come to him, all who come to him, that, way, that, word, that statement, come to him, is the idea of believe, will be saved. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the will of the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again the last day. What was the will of the Father? That Jesus would come, the Son of God, that he would come and, and that those that would believe on him would receive eternal life. And so those that come to him, those that believe, listen, it doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've been through. All that turn from their sin and believe on Jesus Christ shall receive eternal life. The fourth point, the fourth truth that I want you to see is that all who come have eternal security. He tells them that when you believe and I receive you, I will never lose you. I'll lose nothing. In the last days, I'll raise you up. I know there's a great theological debate whether you can lose your salvation or not. And, and the truth is, as we examine Scripture, it's very clear in Scripture that nothing can pluck us out of the hand of God. And Jesus says here, I will never lose you. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have eternal or everlasting life. And how glorious that is. I'd hate to have to live wondering, wondering, do I have life or did I lose it? Am, am I saved or am I not saved? But we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Number five, how do we receive this eternal life? He reiterates again in verse 40, this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. So you see the Son, you see Jesus as the Son of God, and you believe on him. Now, this is where the, the, the great struggle is in this passage and in this conversation. Jesus is telling them, I am the Son of God. And they, they, they don't see it. They, they, don't, they don't believe it. And this is where they're on two different conversations, two different planes, two different thought processes. Jesus is saying, I am the Son of God that offers eternal life. And they're saying, you're the guy who can take care of us and, and satisfy our needs and feed our bellies. They, they don't understand who he is, but he says those that do and those that believe have eternal life. And then the last point is, in this section, Jesus points them to the resurrection, the truth of the resurrection. He says, if you see the Son and you believe on him and have everlasting life, I will raise him up at the last day. You know, this world is not all there is for those that believe on Jesus one day we will, be, we will raise to meet him in the air. Now we know from scripture and from life that is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. We might leave this world through death and be placed in the grave, but one day we'll be risen with him. How glorious and how wonderful that is. But we have to understand who Jesus is. 
Maybe you've come today and you say, you know what, or maybe you've been in church for years and, and you've heard the gospel and you've heard about Jesus and you know who he is uh, mentally, but you haven't believed it. There's so many like that in the world today. Yeah, I know what they say at that church. I, I know what the Bible says, that this Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of, of the world. So many people, they know that truth and they've heard that truth but they haven't seen Jesus for who he is and why he came, and they haven't believed on him. My friend, if that's you today, listen, you can go to church and you can know who he is mentally and be lost in your sin and die and spend eternity separated from God. Jesus says, he that sees me as the son and believes, accept my free gift of salvation, has eternal life. How glorious that is. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe on Him, He will save you from your sins and give you eternal life. People question all the time, am I, am I elect? Or if election is true, am I a part of the elect? Or if I'm not, am I not part of the elect? Listen, the truth is believe on Jesus and you'll be saved. That's what the Bible tells us. Believe on Jesus. And if you're here today and, and, and God is working in your life and you've never accepted Christ, listen, believe on Jesus. And if you are here today, I want you to realize and understand the only hope for our society today is Jesus Christ. And that's what the hope for your neighbors and for the kids that come to Bible school and those that come to Awana, they need to believe on Jesus Christ. That's the only hope for eternal salvation in their life. It's Christ and Christ alone. My friend, get your eyes off of your own understanding. Get your eyes off of this world and the circumstances and have an eternal perspective. How can I be right with God? By receiving Jesus Christ as my Savior. I have to believe that He's the Son of God, that He died on the cross for my sin. He rose from the grave. And listen, if we'll put our trust in Him, He'll save us. Father, we thank You for the gospel message Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to look at this conversation between Christ and the multitudes. And, and Lord, how sad it is to see their perspective. And Lord, how their eyes were blinded when Christ was standing there right before them. But Father, maybe there's some here today or some that hear this message later that, that their eyes are blinded as the message of the gospel is right here before them. Father, I pray that you'd open their eyes, draw them to yourself. And may they believe on Christ.